Anna, it's your birthday. You want to do the intro? This is Political Playlist, where we talk about politicians in Congress who are under 45 years old and what they're doing and saying about the news. It is hosted mainly by me because I'm the smartest, most charming one. And then secondarily by Anthony and Michael, who are just sort of your normal run-of-the-mill millennial white guys. So enjoy. The political revolution of the millennial. Welcome to Political Playlist. <laughs> All right. Are we ready, guys? Happy hour. Happy, Happy hour. hour. <laughs> that up oh so God. Wow. I didn't even have that prepared. That just that was right good. off the test. That was very good. Very, very good. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Political Playlist Happy Hour. I'm Michael Kristoff. I'm Anna Muskie Goldwyn. And I'm Anthony Barquette. So Anna's turning 33, or just turned 33. Anthony's back from D.C. I've got a Manhattan. Michael has nothing to report. I have nothing to report. Uh, how are we, gang? I'm a little tired today. I was mm. telling you guys earlier, I left my phone at the restaurant where I had my birthday dinner last night. Oh, boy. I was without the phone all day, which at first was really nice, but then became kind of stressful. And... I just was out all day today and I'm tired. So yeah. I need you guys to, you know, bring the energy, liven me up. Should we uh should we dive into the news here? I feel like we have a Please. this week is off to kind of a, a busy, raging start. crazy raging start. Um <laughs> yeah. So the uh the president, President Biden, uh that's his name, I think, still, mm -hmm. um, met with Speaker McCarthy over the debt ceiling for the first time. Diane Feinstein is back in Congress, back at wow. the Senate in person. Uh oh, George Santos has been charged with federal crimes. Uh, the war in Ukraine is still going on, although it sounds like Ukraine air defenses had like a major breakthrough where they intercepted a bunch of missiles heading for Kiev, uh, all while uh, Putin is celebrating uh, V-Day over in Russia. But... The news of the day the news. is that the twice impeached and criminally indicted former president Donald Trump has been found liable for sexual abuse and defamation in a civil suit. OK, you have uh, to explain, though, why this is. Damn, you used you used the word liable, which I think is important yes. distinction mm -hmm. from yes. like criminally charged. Yes. That's true. So basically, this was a civil suit uh, that was brought on, and it does not have criminal penalties. So he was being sued by a woman. Um, she won this lawsuit. It, it was a jury trial. Um, if folks remember the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard uh, trial of the century, it was, it was sort of one of those. Good reference. Uh, except this involved the former president. So he wasn't found liable for rape, which was one of the the more serious charges. He was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation. So the jury awarded uh, E. Jean Carroll uh, five million dollars um, in damages. And, you know, I'm sure the Trump uh, legal team will appeal this and whatnot. But. You know, we don't really go into the sort of specific – the show isn't about um, talking about legal specifics of this case. So I want to kind of put this a different way and 
get into the discussion. I want you to, well, I want to read you a couple of tweets. Okay. So we're going to go from left to middle to right to farther right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so the front runner from the Republican nomination for president has just been found liable for sexual abuse. There, as these lawsuits pile up, the more of an aggrieved version of Trump will get. He is unfit to hold office. Okay. There's number one. Okay. Congressman from South Dakota, when asked if he would support Trump as the nominee, given this verdict, he responded, I'd have a difficult time doing so. Okay. Strong, strong response. Little Marco Rubio. Here we go. He said the trial and the jury were a total joke. Okay. Total joke. And then last but not least, our favorite social chair of the fraternity, Matt Gates. Okay. He has a podcast and he interviewed the woman, Tara Reed, not the, not to be confused with Tara Reed of Van Wilder. Fame. Iconic actress, Tara Reed. Iconic, he yeah. interviewed Tara, Tara Reed, who was the woman who was a one time uh, intern uh, assistant in the Biden Senate office who made sexual. Uh, misconduct allegations against Biden during the 2020 campaign, only to later uh, recant those accusations and um, and back down from that. So the the gamut that we ran here was people people calling the president unfit to serve to going after the woman who said that Joe Biden had sexual misconducts against her only to then say, oh, actually, no, he didn't. So it, it's kind of bonkers. But here's my question to you guys. Okay, so as it stands right now, Donald Trump is the front runner for the Republican nomination. Okay, it, it's that, that, that is clear. So my question is, why as a Republican voter, should I think that Donald Trump can win elections, of which he has not done since 2016, why do I think that if this is the party of law and order, that after so many, so many, you know, just disparaging remarks of the justice and legal system, do I think that they're going to uphold the rule of law and, and the courts? And lastly, why do I think that this is the guy who can beat Democrats? in a general election? Well, I just quickly, there was a new poll very recently that said that uh, Trump has a seven-point advantage over Biden in the general election right now. I don't wow, know. Was this, where was this poll from, McDonald's? I don't know. I read it in Axios this morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, But I'll let Anthony speak first. Mm, I mean, it's way too early, early to tell right now. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's going to be in the lead. Polls are a mess. None of them actually ever mean anything, especially this early. And I don't think anyone's really spending any money right now on a presidential election. I mean, I, Trump. I also just think, I mean, the thing about this that's like so frustrating is that this man who is like a bad man, like I, mm. it's like I, I, I think that the people in his party who are politicians think he's a bad man. I think that Matt Gates thinks he's a bad man. I think that whoever that Republican from South Dakota is knows he's a bad man, but like is afraid to say it. And I it's just very depressing that 
he has this hold on the party. And I think that like in his as history plays out, people like Nancy Mace, who we cover, are going to be the ones coming out on top and that like. Yes, Nancy Mace is a Republican. She's voiced kind of like wishy-washy support for Trump in the past. I would very much bet that she will not endorse him um, for the primary. But I, it's like, like Marco Rubio, it's like President Trump was so horrible to Marco Rubio. Horrible. And horrible. Marco Rubio is like, oh, this is a sham thing. It's like, yeah, I, 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 to me, it's just as a sane person. I mean, I, I, the Republicans I know are like, I don't want to vote for this freaking guy. And I, it's this it's the problem we have in our primary system, which I've said before, and I will die on this hill is we need a new primary system. We need ranked choice voting. We need methods of allowing more less extreme candidates to have a fighting chance. Well, in particularly primaries. on the Republican side, because it's a winner take all primary. But and the on Democrats, the Democratic, yes, it's a little on bit the Democratic different. Side, but yeah, and I'm not talking about president. I mean, in general, too, on the Democratic, right. like it's exact. It's what happened in New York to Democrats is the Democrats lost a bunch of seats because they nominated very progressive candidates, and then moderate Republicans beat them, and right. Republicans had a big win in, in New York. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to be a moderate but that yeah. progressive candidate was obviously not representative of the general population of that district and i think that people should educate themselves on ranked choice voting it's happening more and more in mm. different cities and some states around the country and i really just think that like until we can get that in our presidential primaries it's either like trump is going to be president he's going to die or he's going to keep running and that's well, it. I, I haven't seen any polling that shows Trump beats Biden. In fact, to the contrary, I, most of the polling I've seen shows Biden clearly defeating Trump, but not so much others. And it seems like Republican politics, it, it's like Trump, the polling shows Trump cleaning up in the primary, but then seriously struggling with those same areas that he struggled with uh, in the 2020 election, you know, the the mm -hmm. five or six, you know, critical swing states. So I guess my question is, you know, as it relates to the Congress people that we talk about, you know, who do we think if anybody in Congress is going to start to break away from him? Because I feel like that's where it needs to begin. You know, it, it's going to begin in Congress and. I don't I'm not holding my breath for Speaker McCarthy to be the one to do it, um, though he would be a powerful voice, uh, certainly. There, no one's going to do it until we're closer at this point. There's yeah. no reason to. I mean, he obviously still has a large following, especially in a place like Florida, which is why Rubio is endorsing him. You know, I, I feel like it's just like not really rocket science at mm -hmm. this stage in the game. Um, and people aren't going to take a side until they really need to. Yeah. Why do you think conservatives, you know, particularly evangelicals, particularly, um, you know, socially conservative uh, folks, why why does this sort of thing not seem to hurt him? The fact that he now just lost a, a civil suit. I mean, had this been a criminal suit, would that have changed the, the equation? 
I think that there's no, I I don't. I I don't think it would have changed the equation. I think that there's like two things at play. One is money and that there are people who say they are ruled by a higher moral power who are actually ruled by money. And then I think that there's also just this like cultural obsession that goes beyond any other institution, religious or otherwise, that has galvanized around Trump because he like their word not mine like speaks the truth you know like set, doesn't hold back and does isn't overly polite isn't politically correct and um people like that the reality though is like it's not most people it's not most republicans who like that but it is the people who control the primary but also well, it's, like i mean if you've heard anything about this um accusation like it's it's also just so screwed up. And I don't know if you guys saw his deposition when he was mm. answering questions from the defense attorney or from the um the prosecution attorneys, the woman yeah, e. Phil attorneys. What was literally I mean, it was very embarrassing. Like this is why I also can't it's so crazy. Republicans kind of just being like, Oh, it's a sham. It's like, first of all, he they were referencing his grab him by the pussy quote that mm. came about in twenty sixteen. And they were like, you know, do you think that? And he doubled down. He was like, yeah, well, that's usually the case when you're a star. And so he doubled down Jesus. on that uh -huh. and then went on this whole thing where he said he didn't know her. There was a photo of him and her together. And he said that it was his old wife, Marla Maples, but it was not. He like didn't even know what his own fucking wife looked like. And yeah. um, and. You know, again, the whole thing of like, she's not my type, like it it just was so misogynistic. It was like, like, I feel like being a female, especially a young female Republican, like Elise Stefanik, you know, like mm -hmm. someone who has saddled themselves to this guy in the name of power. It's like, how can you watch that and watch him talk about women in that way and just go to sleep at night? And like, right. and I'm not saying this to be like, oh, Republicans are bad. I just think this specific thing like is so toxic for them. It's I'm Nancy Mace is saying it. She's like, we need to fucking change. Like, we need a new party. Right. We need to be a different kind of Republican party. And I think we've talked to a lot of people who feel that way. Um, and I'm all here to discuss like conservative versus liberal values. But I just if you you watch that deposition, you're like. He, like yeah he probably raped her and he probably raped all his other women i don't know like Oof, wouldn't that's surprise pretty me. far far to go there i mean if i if i was on the democratic side i would have taken the comment of him not recognizing the woman and calling him his wife and being like he's losing his mind mm, that's interesting that would have been a joe biden you know this guy is is too old unfit remember to be president. they're the same they're they're in that no. age range See, you're thinking like a strategist i'm just yeah you're just calling people like, rapists no. <laughs> but there's when there's been all those accusations and he speaks the way that he does and you read her testimony of what happened and all the other women okay so you guys can just go ahead and guess my tweet now i don't even have to read it but here we go okay. 
I call the balls and strikes. I don't care if you have an R or a D by your name. Yep. (laughs) What? There we go. So, so, but here's her thing relates to kind of what we've been talking about here. But I have a question for you that I want to set up this question a little bit. So there was a big New York Times article on Nancy Mace, appropriately titled Caucus of One. Okay. It had one of her Democrat constituents quoted as saying, she'll talk to you about reaching across the aisle until the cows come home. But when it comes time to vote, she always sticks with the party. Okay. And a Republican constituent was quoted as saying, sometimes I think she speaks out particularly on the abortion thing. She needs to let that go. We're real conservatives and we support the Republican Party. So she seems to be alienating both sides. But she is, Anna, as you said, on this mission to to change the party, right, and to bring it into what she probably views as a is a more 21st century Republican Party. But at the end of the day, she is not a moderate. She is not a a moderate. She does not vote that way. She might say she's a no vote on this, that and the other until. Kevin McCarthy agrees to some uh, deals that, you know, move her agenda forward. But at the end of the day, she is a Republican through and through, and I would argue a conservative one at that. So my question to you guys, do we think that there is actually room for a moderate candidate, given that so much of the country identifies as a moderate or independent voter? It's something we don't, talked don't about. Don't all answer at once. Yeah. Take your well, I was waiting to see if Anthony was going to say something because he looked like he was thinking, but then he didn't say anything. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Anthony thinking. does a lot of thinking. He's still, he's still stuck in that Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to leave. Yeah. Um, no, we talked about this in relation to someone else a couple weeks ago. I forget who it was, but just the difference between the way that, oh, it was actually Robert Garcia, I think we were talking mm. about. Like, the way that someone messages versus the way that they vote. Mm. And I think that what you said about Nancy Mace is exactly that. I think that she, in terms of like re-election, I feel like she knows what she's doing because the number one thing in politics is name recognition. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's getting that and that's going to make all the people who don't pay attention, you know, vote for her in the primary. And in her district, it's, I mean, she won by a lot against the Democrat um, in 2022. And, but to your question, like, I, I mean, the answer really is no, right? Like Adam Kinzinger, I think was a moderate Republican mm-hmm. and he got booted. Liz Cheney was not a moderate Republican. She just didn't like Trump. She was kind of like Nancy Mace, actually, like right. of a different generation, you know? Right. Um, and so I, I wouldn't put her in that category, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I we agree. have moderate, like David Valadeo maybe is a moderate Republican. I, I would agree with Anna. I don't think it's the right time for it, but I think as soon as you become that, the main, um, you know, person in this competition, like all you have to do is go one way over to each mm-hmm. side and you'll get those votes, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I mean, here's... You know, Sorry, this, go ahead. For presidential elections, I think this is quite clear and obvious. Like Trump lost it for himself. But what about? 
I think Michael's asking about like in general in the party, like, is there room for a real moderate Republican, which people kind of think Nancy Mace is, but she's not. Mm -hmm. Is that kind or, of what I mean? Yeah. And, and I guess the follow up is, you know, same goes on the Democratic side that, you know, it seems like so many people are playing to the, you know, let's win in the primary and are losing sight of what it takes to win in a general. And I, I'm I, I fear on both sides that, you know, the more that it becomes about who is victorious on the primary front, it's just bringing each side so much further over to their respective sides that it's actually no longer representing where the majority of voters are and thereby becomes, you know, even more tribal leadership. I think that we see more moderate, true moderate Democrats because Democratic leadership has not um, become as far left as, as right. Republican leadership has. So has like become far right. when it yeah, comes agreed. to like, agreed. like supporting candidates, Nancy Pelosi was behind Abigail Spanberger, who I, I really mm -hmm. think is a true moderate Democrat or, um, you know, Stephanie Murphy left, but she definitely was too. And uh, you, I think on the, I, I would say like the most moderate Republican we cover, I think would be like David Valadeo. I think just by nature, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. You don't think so? Yeah. Then maybe not. I don't like at least of the younger people, um, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, you know, a lot of the, you could make the argument that like a Nicole Maliotakis is moderate. Um, mm -hmm. You could, I think you could make the argument that, um, well, again, you know, Nancy Mace would like you to believe that she's moderate. Um, you know, Sometimes, and I think, but if you're a Republican, she probably doesn't want you to. Right, right, exactly. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I, I think mean, there I guess are these... like some of those new, like Mike Lawler, who's a new guy, right, new guy is, from New York, yeah. Um, relatively moderate Anthony Desposito, who's also from, I guess when you're looking at the States, it's like mm -hmm. Nancy Mace is going to have a hard time really making people believe she's moderate because she, she's from a cons conservative state right. where a lot of sort of the sentiment is going to be around that that's what defines a Republican. Whereas like you look at New right. York and a New York Republican is more inherently a moderate. I mean, at least Stefanik was a moderate Republican before Trump came right. along. Um, so there, I don't know. I think there's room, but maybe it is ge geography specific. Anyway, um, I'll go. Go for it. Okay. Exploit, exclamation point, exclamation point. Announcing my and representative Mike Collins bipartisan Trank Research Act will be considered on the house floor this week. Tonight, I delivered my first floor speech as Colorado's eighth representative. Colorado Ace, eighth representative in support of our bill. We must head off the next wave of the drug crisis and protect Colorado families. Dave, mm. there's a big, big hint in there, literally the district, but you guys, I mean, get it. Anthony, Anthony, how well do you know your current temporary state is the question? Yeah. Well, I know all the representatives from here. Brittany Patterson. Oh, wow. Somebody Googled that. No, quickly. but that's a really good, that's a really good guess. You look so, you kind of look like a cartoon character when you said yeah, that. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> Jason Crow. No. Jonah Juice. No. Lauren Boebert. 
No. It's right. <laughs> uh, Yadira Caraveo. Yes. Oh, that was. Michael needed the elimination. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank no, God. So kind of shifting gears from sort of talking about like the politics of it all. Um, and I wanted to bring this up because I think that the drug crisis sort of weaves mm. exact like very much into the immigration crisis which is something that is very topical right now as Title 42 is about to be repealed. And so Indeed. Representative Caraveo is from Colorado. She's a freshman representative. She also is a doctor, which makes her specifically qualified to speak on the drug crisis. And so she introduced this trank, like tranquilizer act with Republican Representative Mike Collins. There's a companion bill in the Senate from um, congressman are from senator welch who i think is from vermont and and tech and ted cruz um but what this is addressing specifically and i i made a tiktok about this i don't know if you guys watched oh. my tiktok no but, um, i blocked you anyway go on you. but but she, it's specifically talking about a drug called xylazine oh, which I take is it. are you a horse for, well it's a for me i use it as Answer a weight you ask as weight loss <laughs> It's similar to Ozempic. Has a is little it, bit is it the effects. new Ozempic? I'm not. It's the I, new Ozempic. If, if, if I'm surprised if, you haven't heard about this on the picket lines of the if weight loss. If weight loss comes from just being like knocked out for a long amount of time, then maybe it, it, it turns out you go through long you stretches of not ordering Postmates. Like, yeah, hibernate. But <laughs> so xylazine, it literally is a horse tranquilizer, um, mm -hmm. and it is a new synthetic opioid that is being used sort of in conjunction with and separate from fentanyl. And Yadira made a, her actually her first house um, speech on the house floor and talked about how there are approximately 2,000 people from Colorado every year who die of a fentanyl or meth overdose. Oh and this God. bill that they're introducing is looking to make it easier and faster to detect xylazine and other synthetic opioids that inevitably are now going to hit the market. Um, and it also, this is another really interesting point. It supports the development of safe handling processes for law enforcement and chemists. I was listening to mm. a, a podcast about this, that one of the the crazy things that we don't think about is that when um, these first responders respond to a overdose that, I mean, fentanyl, we've all seen, like literally the tiniest amount can kill you, right? Right. What happens sometimes when, especially EMTs, or police officers go to respond to an overdose is that if they touch the person, they can they can get fentanyl like in their really? system from touching yeah. the person because yeah. it goes through their skin. Wow! And so there's been this whole kind of movement by EMTs for like safer practices around how to deal with overdose deaths or overdose you know trying to save someone from an overdose. Um, and it's really interesting. So this bill is addressing that. Um. But I wanted to bring it up because I think, like, A, it's great that there's this bipartisan movement on this issue that's really important. But it also, to me, like, rings, like I said, so much in conjunction with the crisis at the border. And I found a crazy stat that was, like, hidden in the WhiteHouse.gov website uh -oh. that the, um, the we, border... We don't mention that. I'm sorry. We don't mention that website here. Oh, yeah, they beat um, us Given that we, webby, but... we lost to them, to the Webby. So, okay, well, uh, we moving them. forward, it will be the site them. that shall not be named. 
the site that shall not be named, yeah. um, said that the Border Patrol seized 14,700 pounds of fentanyl in 2022, which was a 31% increase from 2021. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. Oh, so, oh. and it's this thing, you know, it's like, I think one of the big Republican talking points that is helping them, in my opinion, is the fact that more and more people are touched by the opioid crisis in America. And a lot of these opioids, I'm not saying that the people coming with their children and whatever are carrying fentanyl, but like that there is this connection that is on the White House website that the drugs are coming from over the border. And now with even more drugs like xylazine and the inevitability of more synthetic opioids, it's like these issues are going to become more and more entwined. And it's frustrating because we have bipartisan consensus on like the problem at home yet we continue to struggle with how to deal with the problem at the border. So was there a question in there or? No, <laughs> I mean, okay. I guess, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I told you I've had, I've had a struggle. <laughs> yeah, question um, in 50 words or less. Please. No, let me, okay, I guess my question is Oh, this. you just burned like 10 words right there. Yeah. With <laughs> Title 42 being taken away, mm-hmm. do you guys think that that the mere fact of that is impeding our ability even further mm-hmm. to address what's happening at the border because title 42 feels like now it has become a political right. thing i mean when the real of... issue is these drugs right yeah i here's, think it is here's what i would do if i was the president Thank if you, i was anthony for and... that very succinct answer to my question yeah, yeah, a man no of problem. many words but yeah. no, like Anthony's to Anthony's strategy, Anthony and I are actually starting a strategy company. So this is a nice little sort of audition here. Um, so if I was advising Wait, the serious? Biden administration, no, <laughs> but I love that you guys leaving it. me off. <laughs> and yeah. Anna's just going to talk while we enter through the back door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if I was advising the Biden administration, what I would say to them is I would go to Congress, Republican led. And I'd probably bring an old Mitchy Mitch into this. And I'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to extend Title 42, but here's what you have to do. You have to come to me with a real proposal that you can get bipartisan support on to figure out a way to address border security in a meaningful way and address immigration in a meaningful way and figure out how are we going to actually come up with a plan to address this this opioid stuff and the problem of course is that i think politically it is very much in republicans interest for the biden administration to fail as much as they can fail on these issues because then they become what they run against but i think that there's a there's a better angle to play here if you're the biden administration to put it to republicans saying okay you're the ones you just said you were going to pass meaningful border security and immigration reform in your first 100 days of Congress, okay? They introduced that bill, and it failed. And notably, Tony Gonzalez was one of the vocal opponents of the bill. So they Mm -hmm. couldn't even, in six weeks of taking over the House, they pledged to do all this great stuff, and they couldn't even do it because their leadership is in shambles. So I would capitalize on that if I was Democrats, and I would say, okay, I will extend Title 42 if, 
so hmm. that you take that away from Republicans who are like going all you hear on cable news right now from the Republican side is Biden's letting 42 go away and it's a disaster. And look at all these things. And by the way, it's it's I agree with you. We would be in a better place if we kept that going. But I don't think you can just you, you have to leverage that politically for change. And I, I right. don't see the Biden administration doing that effectively right now. Right. Well said. And yeah, honestly, like the little cheerleader today. Not <laughs> much substance, a little jet but like lag. a lot of positivity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think it's my turn. All right. Yeah. Um, I would do say it. So. And there, there's this this tweet started a little Twitter war between Ooh. two people on our platform. Oh, we mm. like the war. And the reason I want to do this person is because I'm not sure we'll be hearing from them more. Oh, that's, that's probably your. It's time we all understand that LGB people have different social issues than the TQIA plus, 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 six pluses to be exact. <laughs> people do. So I'm calling for a divorce, all capital letters, of oh, the man. LGB from the TQIA plus. It's George okay. Santos. I don't know if is it George, George Santos. It was. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Or it is. Here's what I don't understand. That is, is George is George Santos so is George Santos playing John Lovitz or is John Lovitz playing George <laughs> Santos? Because I don't they're, they're kind of the same thing going on right now. Yeah. So I mean yeah. on it well <laughs> well with to what you said about um it looks like he's being charged uh on Wednesday of this yeah. week. So it's probably when this episode will be released. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hear that news, but mm -hmm. what it sparked was another tweet from someone. And maybe you guys can try and guess this. Okay. Well, we think Santos is a joke. What he's proposing is dangerous and extreme. They want to harm and isolate trans and queer people. We can't allow that to happen. And pretty gross coming from someone that claims to be gay. Richie Torres. Ooh, good guess. Good guess. I was going to say, man, Chris Pappas. Roberto Garcia. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just a little promotional plug. We're going to be speaking with him later this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll be releasing that episode probably next week. Yeah. So um, then George Santos responded, though, no, it's not dangerous and extreme. It's actually thoughtful and compassionate. By lumping everyone together, you actually do a disservice to the trans community by diluting their struggles with the struggles of others. They need their own platform for their un unique issues. Interesting. This is like, it's so confusing. So confusing. And by the way, like George Santos's Twitter page is so confusing. It's like, <laughs> hey, I just want to let everyone know some guy ran a red light and he had stolen a bunch of groceries. <laughs> He has been captured by police. Everyone's safe in my neighborhood. Oh and you're like, God. what? Like, what? <laughs> what if, it's like, like it's like unhinged? I yeah. have this idea, this like image in my mind of like Santos goes home at night and like takes off his wig and like truly speaks in a British accent and was like, oh, I so fooled them today, didn't I? Like, just like he's playing a character, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. He's too ridiculous. Yeah, to, I to, mean, and, and, yeah. and most Republicans, a lot of Republicans are behind removing him, especially mm -hmm. some of the new ones have just said it's been a huge distraction. You know, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, he's um, making them look even more yeah. discombobulated than they are. Yeah, are. I mean, some so, of the ones who have been most vocal are like 
Representative Mike Lawler from New York, Cole Malatakis, even Blake well, Moore. I think Utah. that the New York people are like, this guy is hurting yeah, our this street guy's cred. fucking bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Because right, they're, so, they're doing well, the New York Republicans, and then they have this yeah. joke from their state who's like, yeah. Well, so, I mean, so, I, we, so let's we split. Well, let's yeah. LG. Let's take his question. Let's take his question should here for a sec eight? because I think that it, it's kind of an interesting one, and I think that there is there's such new. Let's have three straight people discuss <laughs> the yeah. plights of the LGBTQI. Let's straight explain this to you, folks. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, what I'm told with the gays and the T's is. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can cut that. Um. But I think what's interesting here is looking at this from two angles. There's sort of the political angle, which is going to be a little bit more um, just uh, pessimistic, and the kind of human angle. And I think the human angle of this is that, you know, the trans community is in many ways playing catch up to major strides that the gay community has made over the years, be it, the, you know, particularly with with gay marriage, but just the various rights that they've they've been fighting for for so long. And so I think there's a feeling that, OK, well, they're just sort of and not to bring this to comedy, but there's a. You know, a uh, uh, Dave Chappelle bit on this that's worth watching, and I'll yes, let you we all form know your the own. Dave Chappelle bit, Michael. He does. He does a joke about how, like, you know, the the trans community has just sort of like jumped on this bandwagon, and I think that there a lot of people see that and say, okay, well, yeah, these are really new things. Whereas, you know, the idea of like two dads or two moms is not really such a new thing for a lot of people. So I think the human element to this is that people in our society are still playing catch up to understanding what exactly goes into all of this. And there's still so much that people don't know. Okay, the political yes, angle. Can I just okay, jump yeah. in really quick? I think that it's a little bit reductive to say that like we've been living with sort of the understanding of like two moms two dads but that the trans thing is new because like trans people have always existed it's just it hasn't become a political issue that there's been any support around and i think that like that my argument when it comes to the like human element of it is you look at the feminist movement that happened in the 60s and 70s black women were very left out of that mm -hmm wave and since then there has been this course correction where it's seen as like the intersectionality of feminism and having black women fight for women's rights has helped the understanding of equality for women and so i think that what i think is so preposterous about what george santos is saying from a human level is that it's literally seeking further division amongst people who are ostracized for gender and sexual identities. And again, if you have issues with trans people and gender affirming care and whatever, that is to say that you're blocking people off from 
having an identity within a larger group of people that they might feel they really belong in. The only thing I would push back on that is that I don't feel like, I mean, yes, it's been around, but I don't think that it's really been in the conversation. And no, I agree with you on society that. Society has been so to, aware. That, I just think like, we have to acknowledge that like transness well, 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 is something well, that has existed for well, like as long as humans have civilization has existed. Sure, but sure. Yes, I agree with you as part but of the conversation. What, what, I, what I'm talking about, I think, which is what becomes the political hot potato is something more of like, you know, we're seeing so much in youth and 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 how the the young generation, whether it's middle school or high school, are, you know, figuring out their identities in many different ways. And and I think much more prevalently than we've ever seen before, figuring out in and identifying as trans. And and I'm speaking from, you know, personal knowledge of people I know who have transitioned in middle school and in high school. And I think that that is something very new that our society mm -hmm. doesn't know what to do with. And that's what I mean mm -hmm. when I say that, yeah. like, they are playing. It, it's not like it, it to say that it's the it's similar to, you know, how many black women got left behind in the civil rights movement. I, I think it's just a it's a very different thing from the standpoint of, you know, you're you're talking about medical treatment that goes into this. And and I think that that, you know, there's not medical treatment that goes into, you know, somebody identifying as gay or lesbian or bisexual, right? But when you start talking about, you know, trans stuff, it it is in many ways a very different thing. And I understand that it is, you know, part of this group. And by the way, on the human level, and also on a on a rights level, I believe that every American and every human who is, is, you know, deserves to have equal rights. So that's not my point. But I my point is that I do think that there is still so much newness in our culture around that. And I, I think that it is there's a very interesting argument to make here in that it is different by virtue of the sort of medical elements behind it. Do you think that that means it should be separate when it comes to looking at like a group of people? No, I think I think these things will end up separating itself, to be honest. So you but guys I, agree I, with what he said? No, I, I'm not agreeing with what he's what he's saying. Like, I, I think to break that up right now is very stupid. Because like, especially when there are causes that minority cultures are fighting, you need as much, um, right. I would say, people behind mm -hmm. this, the similar mission, right? Mm -hmm. Which is more rights for different groups of people here. You know, then it gets very separated out, though, as to what people agree on those rights. I mean, we had a conversation on this where some of those groups wanted to ban you know, certain songs like I feel like a woman or, you know, something like that. And, yeah. you know, it's like, is that part of the main mission that we're all fighting right. for? I don't right. think so. Right. You know, and actually what was interesting was a lot of tweets this week were about um, trans people from both sides. There was a report done um, 
that talked about how they did transitioning on younger kids and this hospital that put a bunch of money into it. So that got a lot of political buzz, um, yeah. especially on the Republican side. Yeah. To answer to answer your question, Anna, I, I mean, I think that it's not. I don't. I don't know that I should have a say in right. what it should be. Right. And I think that you know the LGBT community should decide. You know how they want to to encompass everybody or just some of them. Um, and and I think that for the trans community, they are certainly it's it's to their advantage to to be a part of the LGBT movement for progress, which I think anybody in that community would tell you that it still continues to be a fight yeah. every yeah. day in many places of in this country and abroad. I mean, especially abroad. But what I yeah. also just think is important to point out is like within each letter is not necessarily separate from the other letters. Like mm -hmm. I feel like every person in that category is generally fabulous. defines is fabulous. Generally <laughs> defines themselves as queer, right? I think that a lot of trans All people. Right. And also, here's where you're starting to lose me, Anna. Okay. Well, this I think also a lot of thing. <laughs> I think that also a lot of trans people <laughs> identify as gay or lesbian. Like mm -hmm. there's the sexuality versus the the gender identity, and I think that people currently in that community, for the most part, except I guess George Santos say oh it is you know all one in the same i mean are saying that it's that that they're each separate and i think that there's a lot of people in the majority of that community who are saying they're all sort of intersecting with each other in one way or another but i think that your point is very important michael is like it is not for us to decide mm -hmm. what we want to see happen in a community that we don't belong to if george santos is a gay man he frankly maybe has more uh right to have an opinion on this than we do um that's a if he's a big question mark <laughs> um, he could be lying about that i'm telling you but hopefully this is the last time we're talking about it yeah but this. i think that's i think yeah. that's the takeaway and i think that's why like all of the political talk about it is like you know it ultimately it does come down to individual people and their circumstances and when you talk about the medicine part of it their doctors, their families, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just say this about Caitlyn Jenner. And I think that, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. On that note. <laughs> well, gang, um, man, Anthony, you saved the spiciest tweet for the end. I he love was just it. sitting on that the whole time. Look at like, that. Couldn't wait just... to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Should have wow. started.